are like me, you sometimes struggle to remember things. Can anyone relate to that? During my first ministry in Philadelphia, I forgot an appointment I had with a family. They'd invited me over uh, to their home for dinner. And um, they called about 30 minutes after I was supposed to arrive to make sure I was okay. But if you ever had that burning, sinking feeling in your heart, I mean, man, I was so embarrassed. I've learned that if I don't write things down or put it on my calendar right away, chances are I'm going to forget. Bob Russell, a popular Christian church preacher, tells the story of how he forgot a wedding he was supposed to officiate. He got up that morning thinking he didn't have any commitment, so he took his two sons to a ball game. His wife knew he was going to the game, but she didn't know where the game was, and this was long before cell phones, so she had no way to reach him. Bob said he casually returned home around 1.30 that afternoon, and his wife met him at the door in a panic. Bob, did you forget that you had a wedding today at 1 o'clock? Bob said his heart sank. He immediately remembered, and he realized that he had to apologize as quickly as possible. As the old saying goes, if you have a frog to swallow, don't look at it very long. So Bob immediately drove to the church building, and when he walked into the auditorium, the entire family was gathered on the stage taking pictures. The bride spotted him immediately. Oh, brother Bob, thank you. We're so glad you're all right. We were afraid you were in a terrible accident or something. What happened? And Bob said it took every ounce of integrity he could muster to say, I'm so sorry. I forgot. Please forgive me. We've all been there, right? Whether it's a a big event or a small task, it's so easy to forget. It's no surprise then that there are over 250 occurrences of the word remember in the Bible. God knows our tendency to forget, and so he reminds us. For example, the fourth commandment in God's top 10 list is what? Do you remember? It's this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Especially in our fast-paced, busy world, it's essential that we remember to set apart one 24-hour period every week to rest from our usual work and activities so God can refresh and recreate us. Maybe you've forgotten that and need to be reminded today. In 2 Timothy 2.14, the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy to keep reminding God's people of these things. Why? Because we tend to forget. The 18th century English writer Samuel Johnson once said, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. And so as we continue our series today in the book of Jude, God wants to remind us of some things because our ability to fight for the faith depends on it. So let's turn once again to the book of Jude. Would you turn there with me? If you do not have a copy of God's Word, we've got free copies back at the Next Step area and on the chair rack in front of you. You can also download a digital version uh, by going to the YouVersion Bible app, downloading that to your phone or tablet. As you're finding Jude, we originally planned this series to be three weeks. But, but the more I've, I've studied, the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized the need to take more time to unpack this short yet power-packed book. So we're going to extend this series a few more weeks in order to take a slower pace 
as we try to fully understand, more fully understand what God has inspired Jude to write to us. Last Sunday, I gave a very brief survey of verses 5 through 16, which starts with reminders from the past. These verses flow directly from Jude's warning in verse 4 about false teachers. Here's what he says. He says, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. See, they, they claim to follow Jesus, but by their character and conduct, it's clear that they are false believers. Wolves in sheep's clothing. And so their life and teaching must be contended with, Jude says, before it spreads like gangrene throughout the church. Back in Acts 20, Paul warns the leaders of the church in Ephesus about this very thing. He writes this, he says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and what? Distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. You know, if there's one fear I have for OCC, it's that one day this would happen to us. That, that certain people would slip in as elders, staff, or ministry leaders who do not truly believe, teach, or live by the truth. We need to be on our guard. In our text today, Jude says the sins of the false teachers resemble the sins of three well-known events in Old Testament history. Let's, let's start at verse 5. He says, though you already know this, this isn't anything new. He says, I want to what? Remind you. Because again, we are prone to forget. I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt but later destroyed those who did not believe. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, God saw the plight of his people in Egypt. You may be familiar with the story. He, he sent plagues on Egypt. He parted the Red Sea so Israel could escape. He destroyed the Egyptian army. He provided food and water for Israel out in the wilderness. God was present with them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, what an incredible experience that must have been. Imagine being saved and delivered by God in such a miraculous way. But later, Jude says in verse five, the Lord destroyed those who did not believe. Jude has in mind here, Numbers chapter 14, when the 12 spies were sent out by Moses on a reconnaissance mission into the promised land. The majority report of 10, when they returned, said, hey, there's no way, we can't do this. They are giants and we are like grasshoppers to them. But the minority report of two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they said, no problem. Grasshoppers plus God can defeat any giants, right? But as it turned out, the people who had seen God do so much for them, 
now in unbelief said, well, he can't do this. And the result was that every person, 20 years old and older, died one by one over the next 40 years. All of them. They missed the promised land. Forgetting God's grace, forgetting God's greatness, they dug their own graves in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And Jude is like, these false teachers, they say they follow God, but like Israel, they do not believe in his goodness and work. They're repeating the sin of Israel. And so here's the first truth we must never forget as we fight for the faith, and that is God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Maybe you've come in today and you're like, well, you know, God saved me in the past and I believe that he's going to take me into take me to heaven in the future, but right now I'm not so sure. Maybe you're dealing with some giants in your life right now. Maybe family issues, health issues, money issues. Things are hard. God seems silent. You know, sometimes we need a post-it note or maybe a reminder to come up on our phones that says this, remember God's faithfulness. He can be trusted. You know, I was reminded of that this week as I stood with others at the graveside of Jessica Steiner. Jessica, a member here at OCC, passed away far too soon at the age of 33. And we might, be que- we might be tempted to question God's faithfulness. You know, where are you, God? How, how could you let this happen? But, but as we stood by the graveside, we sang three songs, Amazing Grace, It Is Well, and Great Is Thy Faithfulness. And, and I was reminded, once again, that God can be trusted, even in the midst of our sorrow, even in the midst of our questions, he is faithful. He will sustain you. He will keep you. He will lead you. He will provide for you. Never forget, God can be trusted. Well, here's a second reminder Jude gives. It's found in verse 6. It says, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. (laughs) Now, right there, we have one of the most difficult verses in the Bible to interpret. At least three views have been proposed. One, that this is referring to an unknown fall of angels not recorded in Scripture. Two, that Jude is referring to the original fall of Satan as described in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Or three, that this refers to Genesis 6 where fallen angels had relations with women and produced a people that brought God's judgment on the world through the flood. Are you confused? Okay, I admit I am a little bit, okay? But no matter which option which of those options you choose, or maybe you have your own theory. 
we must not lose the sight of the plain meaning here. And here's the plain meaning. These angels rebelled by rejecting God's plan and authority. They were convinced there was something better, that God's way was not the best way. It says they did not keep their proper domain or positions of authority, and they abandoned their proper dwelling. In other words, their position and place in God's plan was not enough. They wanted something more. They wanted a different position of influence, a better place of prominence. But not content with heaven, these angels got hell. And so, here's the second truth we must never forget today, and that is God must be honored as God. He is God, and we are not. Unlike these angels, we must accept his plan and authority over us. The false teachers here in Jude refuse to do this. And I think something that will help us in this is to remember God's nature. Remember God's nature, that, that he is eternal, the uncreated creator. He is sovereign over the universe. He is transcendent beyond time and space. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is everywhere present. He is infinite and immortal and so much more. He is so not us, and we are so not him. See, there, there's this creator-creature distinction that we've got to understand. And because of that creator-creature distinction, we need to be content with our place under God. And that takes a submissive spirit. We also need to be confident because God is God that he knows what he's doing. And that takes a surrendered heart. And never forget God can be trusted and also God must be honored as God. Well, there's one more reminder today, verse 7. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Man, Jude does not let up here, does he? No story, though, or event really in the Old Testament or really in the whole Bible impacted God's people like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's referenced more than 20 times in the Bible. The devastation of these cities was so horrific that they stand as a constant reminder of God's judgment on sin, especially sexual sin. Genesis 19, if we go back to where this is recorded, it says, The Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Sodom and Gomorrah reminds us that sin is serious to God. And, and that he will judge it. And you know, we, we don't, we don't want to hear that. We, we don't like to hear that. But, but we need to hear it. And never forget that God will judge immorality. God will judge the immoral. Back in verse 4, Jude says, 
these false teachers who had slipped into the church were perverting the grace of God into a license for immorality. They were like, hey, you've been saved by grace, so you're free to live as you please. No restraints, no rules, no one telling you what you should or should, or should not do. But I think Jude here is trying to remind us that, that we need to remember God's standards. We need to come back to God's standards. Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities committed sexual immorality. We're talking ongoing sexual immorality, particularly the sin of homosexuality. The Bible is clear that any sexual activity, whether heterosexual or homosexual, outside the marriage covenant between a man and a woman is sin. That, that, that is God's standard. Now, those trapped in sexual sin need to be loved. Our job is not to judge. That's God's job. Rather, we graciously speak the truth in love. We reach out with grace, mercy, and kindness in the hope, as Jude 23 says, in the hope that we might save them by snatching them from the fire. Wow. But you know, what, what makes this especially difficult is that some of our close friends and family have made this a lifestyle choice. And it can be tempting to revise God's standards in light of our relational ties and all the cultural pressure that's out there. I mean, when that happens outside the church, we, we kind of expect it, right? But when it happens inside the church... Friends, we must strongly reject it. We must fight for the faith. See, God's soldiers must stay on duty and see to it that these beliefs and behaviors do not creep into the ranks and start to lead people astray. And Judah's saying, hey, never forget, God can be trusted. God must be honored as God. God will judge the immoral. Never forget. So I want to ask you today, which of these three truths do you need to be reminded of most? Which of these three truths do you need to be reminded of most? You know, the truth is, at one time, we were all like the unbelieving Israelites. We, we were all like the rebellious fallen angels. We, we were all like the immoral people of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And because of that, guess what? We all deserve judgment. We all deserve hell. But God, who is rich in love and mercy, sent his son Jesus to suffer what we deserved on the cross. He took our place. And through his sacrifice, we can all be forgiven of all our sins and be set free from the fear of God's judgment. But you know what? That's not all. We can also be changed. If, if any New Testament city approached 
the wickedness and immorality of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was Corinth. I mean, idolatry, greed, pagan philosophy, immorality, all of that stuff. I mean, it was, it was the air it breathed. But the Apostle Paul brought the gospel to Corinth. And he resolved to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What was the result? I want you to listen to what Paul wrote. He says, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Just as if you'd never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, the gospel, the, the good news about Jesus, the power that is in that truth and that message, it changed them. They went from being idol worshipers to worshipers of God. From unfaithful spouses to faithful ones. From greedy thieves to generous givers. From slanderous tongues to speaking the truth in love. That's what God can do. Yes, God will judge ongoing unbelief ongoing rebellion, ongoing immorality. But he will also forgive those who turn to him and who are washed in the blood of Jesus. May we never forget. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Today's word is a little difficult to understand. But Father, we need, we need this reminder, and so we're grateful to you for that. Help us not just to remember, Father, but to apply these truths, these principles into our thinking and into our, into our actions. God, may they equip us and help us to be mindful as we fight for the faith. And Father, we don't do this in a combative way, but we do it, we do it out of compassion. Compassion for those who have fallen away, who are deceived. God, give us wisdom as we do this. Help us now to take our next step, whatever that might be. God, right now, help us to remember, to remember you and what you've done. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.